you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Hey guys, let me tell you about our newest partner, the Dwell Bible app. Now, I'm confident you've listened to many audio Bibles growing up. Maybe it was on CDs, or maybe if you're a little bit older, it was on cassettes. Well, the Dwell Bible app really surpasses all of those, and here's why. So, maybe you were looking for a way that you can listen to the Bible in a year, and you want to make it all the way through the Bible in a year. Well, they have a plan for that in the Dwell Bible app. Not only do they have a plan for reading through the Bible in a year, but there's all kinds of other plans as well, and there's also thematic plans. So let's say maybe you're going through an issue like anxiety, and you're like, what does the Bible say about anxiety? And you want to listen to all these key verses on this particular theme. Well, the Dwell Bible app has themes that are set for that. Not only do they have themes, but they also have a whole list of amazing voices that you can listen to. I'm currently listening to a man named David who has an amazing accent read through the book of Jeremiah. Not only do they have multiple voices, but you also can couple it with background music like ambient background or maybe piano and cello. Um, Never before has it been so enjoyable to listen to the Bible. Let me tell you finally about the mission statement of this group. The Dwell Bible app seeks to make the Bible the soundtrack of your life. Go and check them out at dwellapp.io. That's dwellapp.io. This is The Daily Brew.
is The Daily Brew. I'm the host, Adam Hall, and I have two dear friends with me from back uh, in the day, but also Alex, a reoccurring guest on the show. Uh, He's back with us, but also Brady Martin. He's a pastor in Texas. Welcome, guys. That's right. Thanks, man. (laughs) So we we decided to tackle a new topic to take a, a short detour um, I wanted to get these guys on the line and discuss with them just how they're trying to navigate this uh, entire uh, COVID-19 uh, coronavirus and see what they're, how they're pastoring their people through this. And um, I know a lot of us as pastors, as we start this off, a lot of us as pastors, we never took a class in seminary discussing, hey, this is what you're supposed to do if a pandemic breaks out or um, hey, this is the best approach to pastoring your people. But um, with a lot of this, how do we, in a lot of uh, closings and then the CDC announcing they don't want people gathering of 50 or more, um, I just want to discuss with you guys what are, what's some wise counsel that we can offer or advice. I'm not saying that we have the answers in any way or form, but uh, what are some things that you guys recommend to um, help churches and help um, just Christians through this whole thing? Uh, what, are, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, um, I'll go first. One of the things that I think is really important is to be in constant communication with your people. Um, they're getting a lot of information from all over the place, and it may, may or may not be accurate. And so I, I think one of the things is communicating, helping them, uh, pointing them to trusted resources and um, outlets that are able to help them think through it well. One thing that we were able to do was um, we brought in some medical professionals who attend our church, a hospital administrator, um, a woman who owns a local medical clinic, and we interviewed them about the coronavirus and being able to dispel some of the myths and things that go around on social media. And we felt that it would be better for our members to be able to hear it from them rather than just someone out there in the media or even um, someone, you know, on um reading an article online, we thought hearing it from our own members in the medical community would be effective to them. So I think constant communication is a great place to start and pointing them to places that they can trust. Alex, I know um, with a lot of pe- a lot of churches are going online, what are some ways or practical things have you thought through at all about keeping community um, or trying to help cultivate community even when you can't gather together on a Sunday morning because the CDC is recommending a set number of people can only be together? Uh, well, man, I'll confess to you, we're kind of even in the middle of thought right now. Just to kind of give my uh, perspective, like Wednesday morning, I knew like the coronavirus was a thing, you know, and I knew, um, you know, it came from China or whatever. But I mean, to be honest with you guys, um, I gave up social media for Lent. And so besides uh, Sundays, I really haven't been on anything. And so I was like not on top of all of this. And then Wednesday night, we came into church for our men's theology group. And apparently at some point Wednesday is when the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic. And I think that's also the same day when it well, the first case in Michigan was confirmed. And so by Thursday night, schools were canceled indefinitely and all these conversations were happening. And so man, part for us, like it's been, it's just changed so rapidly. Like, you know, for Michigan, at least until um, either yesterday or today, the government, the governor was, had banned all gatherings 
over 250. And then either yesterday or today, it became all gatherings over 50. And then President Trump held a press conference today where he recommended not meeting in groups of more than 10, um, which I guess isn't an actual regulation at this moment. It's just a recommendation. But I mean, dude, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Like my household is eight. Like we're already almost to that, you know, max of the recommendation. And so besides the live uh, streaming, which I think we're going to pursue. I don't know. We, like our original intention was to let our home groups meet as they feel comfortable. But then, you know, pre- when President Trump's recommendation came out this afternoon, uh, we we have, haven't even had further conversations since then. And so this is it has been so much changing every single day. Uh, it's been hard to have two staunch of a policy on specific things because it keeps changing. Another thing that I've uh, thought about with that, as the number keeps decreasing with the amount of people that can gather together, and then you also have to worry about elderly people within your church as well. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful with those, but um, we use a just way of communication. We have a lot of different groups, whether we small groups that have group me accounts, just communicating that way and um, just trying to navigate through this has been uh, difficult. I would say one, because a lot of people are like, well, you can't go online. We need to gather together. And then they're shaming on both sides uh, of, of right. um, the spectrum. And I think that the hard part is just trying to, what, what's wise in the midst of this? How can we love our neighbor, but also uh, care for our people? And I think that's what may, has made thus far this whole situation incredibly difficult. And one thing that we had this conversation this morning, I gathered my staff together and we began talking about, could we meet in our small groups, in our homes, and people who were not involved, create some new ones in a sign where everyone had a place to go and communicate with everyone about that. And as I began to have those conversations before President Trump uh, reduced the number from 50 to 10, that was on our radar. And I began calling some people in the church and talking with them about it. And I, I called a police officer and talked with him about it. And I said, hey, man, what do, you, what do you think about this? He's the head of our security team in our church. And he said, well, he says, you know, it'd be great to get together. He says, but I personally don't know if I should come or my family should come because I'm, at a, I'm a high-risk individual in the field that I'm working in. Um, mm. So much so that they, they may even keep them... Uh, he told us in their police station in isolation where they couldn't come home for a while. And so he said, almost all of our community groups have someone who works in the medical profession. And so there are nurses and doctors and, you know, medical workers in, in, in those places. And so when you, when you come there and you have all of those families and kids there, that, um, that, that becomes a high risk situation for them and, and that them bringing it into it. So there's going to be some conflict there that has to be thought through, even if you were to pursue something like that. And that hadn't been on my radar. So I thought that was helpful. Mm. Yeah. Now before, before the call, Brady, you brought up that your church is doing a, a whole list of things. Uh, I know you have a larger church and your church is doing a lot for the community. What are some of the things that you mentioned to us earlier that you guys see or that you have done this far? Yeah. So one of the things is, we're just reaching out to community leaders. That's a place we're starting and saying, what do you all need and how can we help you? Um, we have a lot of people um, who would like to help and bless the community. Um, some are going to be home from 
their jobs are not, um, their businesses are closed, and they want they want to help. And so what we've done is reach out to them. Um, we've reached out to schools to see what how we can serve them. We know that with school closures, there's often um, those who do not, who can't eat and don't have food. And so how can we how can we do that? We reach out to the hospitals and say, how can we um, help y'all? Um, do y'all need space? What do you need? How can we encourage your your nurses and things like that? And so we we are preparing for all of that and finding out what the needs are, and we're putting together teams to be able to meet them. And so we're dividing up. Um, and that's one of the things that we found out is if if this goes to eight weeks without meeting, one of the things that we have staff in different positions, but they don't quite have a job to do in some ways. And so everybody's become uh, an outreach team. And so we're, we're looking at it, how we can um, help each of those areas in our city. And so we want to be a blessing to them. And so we're just contacting them and saying, use us any way you want. That's very helpful. I think, too, uh, one of the things as pastors that we must do in this process is just continually point people to Christ, um, yeah. especially in the the fear and the chaos. Like we have several members, like, for example, uh, Real Cinema's corporate office is here. So I have a member of my church who works for the corporate office. Well, they just announced today that they're shutting down all their theaters. Well, now, there's a lot of companies like that, um, or a lot yep. of people in congregations like that. They're companies and jobs. There's a lot of fear tied to this and, and the whole revenue and everything of that nature, more than just the virus, but um, I would say it's the, the fear of the economic um, outcome of all this. Well, anyway, I think um, yep. a big thing for us as pastors, too, is to help people and point and continually point people to Christ in the midst of this, is that um, God is in control um, no matter what the outcome may be. Um, there's peace and assurance knowing that we can trust him and knowing that we, we don't have to, to worry. Uh, we can sleep in peace because God is awake. Yeah, I've, um, you know, everything that Brady shared, and he had shared that with me before, is super cool. It's interesting, like, you know, they're a, they're a, they're a bigger church in a smaller town or a smaller area. And so it can be, for, for someone like me, who's at like a smaller church in a bigger town, like, you know, kind of inverse from what Brady's doing. Like it can feel, we can feel a little more helpless in terms of, you know, the whole grassroots community um, coming together kind of thing, which is super cool. But like you just said, Adam, what, what I've noticed, something that's been really interesting for me guys, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, because all pastors are to some degree or another, is that like the coronavirus thing is obviously on everyone's mind. It's at the forefront of everyone's mind. And yet other life is happening too. And so, I mean, I've got, uh, I visited with a widow on Friday who just lost her husband. You know, they've been married for 30 plus years and he just passed away. And so she like is still uh, in the throes of that. And then we have another um, new mom who's experiencing some severe, um, depression, like postpartum depression. And so these, there's all these situations that are like disconnected from the coronavirus, but also like being inflamed by it. And so just like you said, Adam, man, trying to like, trying to not be depressed or um, paralyzed with fear while the rest of the world is. And not to say we're not being cautious or wise or whatever, but like, like with our children or with our neighbors, like, being the people who have a humble confidence in uh, the sovereignty of God and the victory of Christ and all these kinds of things, uh, where a world where if their foundation is the stock market or their foundation is 
the economy or whatever, they're losing their foundation. And mm. just being the salt and light people who are mm. confident and humble, you know, at this time, obviously, you know, for, for us, I, that seems like that's a way in which a, a church like ours in our situation is trying to be thoughtful. My son uh, recently gave me this helpful reminder. So my son Isaiah is, uh, um, he's eight years old and almost said six. He's eight years old. And um, we were talking at nighttime. We always try to talk at night. And I was asking him, or he said, uh, Dad, do you know what I say every night when I'm afraid? And I'm, or if I wake up and I'm afraid, and I'm like, what's that, buddy? And um, he says, the Lord is with me. He's like, I say that to myself over and over again. And from an eight-year-old, I'm like, oh, it's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's good. Um so I think that's just a reminder to the people is that no matter how difficult the situations may be, um, we need to be reminded that God is with us. Um, as Psalm 23 says, uh, that even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we should not fear. Why? Because the Lord is with us. Or as mm-hmm. take the, we always put it on T-shirts and billboards with Philippians 4, 4.13, and you're not going to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and we don't ever think about the context where Paul's just gotten talking about he's writing from prison, one, but two, in the context, he's uh, talking about how he's had plenty, he's had little, and he's learned to be satisfied in all things, and he reminds us that he can do all things to Christ uh, who strengthens him. It's not an issue of, you know, you can win every football game, pull the Tim Tebow, and that's what Philippians 4.13 means. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's a reminder that no matter what the situation is, we can be righteous, we can live faithfully, and we can. Um, Christ will be there with us no matter how difficult uh, the situation may be. And w- one thing that we try to instill in our people is this quote by Charles Spurgeon that says, speaking of the Lord, when you can't trace his hand in your life, you must learn to trace his heart. Mm-hmm. I must trust his heart. When you can't trace his hand, you must trust his heart. And that's what we try to instill in this, too, is um, we, can't, we don't know why God has do- allowed this to happen. We don't. But what we can do is trust him in the midst of it, that he is good, that he's loving, that he's kind to us. And so we had a uh, – Alex, I, I affirm what Alex says a lot, that we have a lot of people going through a lot of different things. Uh, we mm-hmm. had a, a, a young mom today have a double mastectomy. And, you know, found out she had breast cancer just a couple of weeks ago. And for her, that is um, a huge thing. And this uh, affects her because in hospitals, you can only have a limited number of visitors per day. In the particular hospital, only one per day. Um, and so all of that is affecting it, but they're still facing the, the daily trials. And the other thing um, is the, the economic uncertainty that people have in mm-hmm. this time. My brother called called me yesterday. He's a wedding photographer, and he was planning on getting $15,000 of payments for his April weddings that all last night called and canceled every one of them. And so he is out $15,000 and just not knowing what to do. And mm. um, and I think that's the, that's the reality I think we're going to face. We have um, where we are, we are about five miles from the Oklahoma border. And at the Oklahoma border, we have a large casino. Um, They claim to be the largest uh, square footage casino in the United States of America. And they closed down today. I have several church members who work over there and work security and different things at the casino and the the restaurants and all of those different things who now are not going to get to work. And they're not, they're not, they don't have money saved up. And so one of the things I was curious about Adam and Alex, if y'all have benevolence policies or if y'all thought through benevolence, 
and how you're going to do benevolence to members as they may be losing their jobs or needing assistance during this time. Now, you're far you're far uh, further along than I, than, uh, I had been in thought, but um, that aspect has crossed my mind. But uh, no, we haven't. Uh, I know we haven't worked out any of those details. Have you, Alex? Well, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. I've told Brady this before that when you guys remember when like the 2008-2009 housing thing crashed. I mean, Detroit was. No city was hit harder than Detroit uh, in that. And, I mean, the, like the city of Detroit literally filed for bankruptcy. Um, and our church, you know, obviously the economy affects the church because people who give are people who are working in your area. And so we were hit hard. Uh, I mean, still, we still, um, our church today is in a healthier financial situation than it's ever been in. But we're still recovering. Uh, from that. I mean, that hit us in the middle of a build. We were we were building a building, and so I mean, for us, part of the it's not just man the the benevolency for people is and it's awesome and and thoughtful and ideal. It's certainly ideal for us. The the question is more we want to make sure that we can pay our bills. I mean, we've got an early mm-hmm. learning center in our building uh, that's part of our ministry where we have workers we pay for. Obviously, uh, two full time pastors. Uh, and then some other, you know, part-time staff. And, and so obviously we're trusting the Lord, but, you know, I would be dishonest if I was saying, man, thinking about, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of not meeting is certainly going to affect um, the church's giving. And even beyond that, our people, if they're not working or if, you know, we've got men who own businesses and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so it's all, yeah, it's all up in the air. I mean, it's part of it's part of what's uh, making everyone so anxious, you know? Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Well, guys, it has been a joy to have you both on. Um, how, how are you going to make me uh, end on a sour note, Adam? You're not going to, like, give us like a little exhortation? Kind of bring some resolve. Yeah. Give, give like us like a little pastoral supplication, man. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's bring in some some resolve here for for joy and hope in crisis. That no matter the outcome, no matter where we we are in the spectrum of all these things, in the end, uh, Christ will be glorified. And as Habakkuk two fourteen tells us, which is a promise, is that in the end the heavens will declare the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So, no matter how difficult the season may be, in the end Christ is greater. Um, I can, as you were talking about the difficulties financially, it reminds me like this past year, I've talked, I talked, I've talked to Alex about this. We have uh, a young girl who's in, um, in second grade in our church, who was diagnosed with a high end, uh, or high risk category of leukemia and just, uh, her faith and her parents' faith through this whole thing has just been a reminder. Like, how do you point them in this situation and remind them that Christ is enough? Uh, mm-hmm. And that even in the midst of difficulties and trials, like how do we guide and point people to Christ in those situations? Because if Christ truly is sufficient, if he truly is good, then when difficulties and trials like that come about, like the one we're in now, it really shows what is the thing that we worship? Uh, are we worshiping money and comfort and ease or are we worshiping Christ? Now, obviously, money, comfort and ease are not necessarily bad things. I think ultimately they point us to the, the end or the eschaton where um, all things are going to be made right. Uh, we'll be at peace. There'll no longer be sword. There'll no longer be sickness. Um, all those things are going to be made right. 
but we are living in the in-between now as well. And by looking and setting our eyes there, we can find peace and comfort in the midst of these because Christ is enough. Mm. That's right. And I'll say this on a positive note. Um, I think there are some positive things. I, I read a tweet by a pastor in New York City who tweeted out last Sunday morning. He said, today felt like the beginning of a spiritual renewal. And I think for many people, it is an opportunity for them to gain some clarity on their ecclesiology and on thinking through why is it so important together with the body. And it's making some of those things clear and think through things. And so it gives an opportunity um, for us to, to shepherd our people in ways that they, we may have their attention in, in ways we never had before, especially where yeah. we live in a place of cultural Christianity. The other thing that I think is really positive is families are being disrupted. They're being disrupted from their um, routines. And so one of the things that I think is, is really um, an opportunity is in all the busyness, a lot of families are going to have to stop and spend time with each other, and they're going to have the yeah. opportunity to develop some better rhythms, have meals together, yeah. and be able to enjoy one another's company. And I think... Um, I think that is a real positive, and so um, I think we should see those things and take advantage of them. Yeah, amen. That was a good home run there at the end there, Brady. He came in clutch. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it has been a joy to have you both on. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come discuss these things. Thanks, man. Thank you.